Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of AP Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. I am super excited. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm excited. Come on, tell them. Come on, if you're online right now, you, you should type, I'm excited. We're excited. We're starting a brand new series today entitled, The Person and the Power of Holy Spirit. The Person and the Power of Holy Spirit. And listen, Pastor Melissa last week, man, did she not do a phenomenal job bringing the word? Will you take a minute in honor? Man, she did such a great job. She really, really, uh, the Lord used her to really set up what we want to talk about. Uh, the next couple weeks together, and I just believe, how many of you guys can just have big faith with me, that over the next couple weeks, that we are going to encounter the person and the power of Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives? Anybody believe that with me? Well, listen, if we believe that, why don't we take a minute and ask the Lord to just have his way right now, to open up our hearts, open up our minds to hear what he is saying, because I believe that today, before we leave, there are going to be folks that get baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. There's going to be people that are just energized from the inside out to accomplish everything that God has said in our hearts to do for the kingdom. But let's pray together. Father, we love you. Lord, we bless you, Lord, because you are so good. And God, we take time today, whether we're online or in person, and God, we bless you. God, and we thank you, Lord, for the power, Lord, of your spirit that is in this house. And Lord, we also thank you for the truth of your word. God, may it rightly divide us right now. Father, may we, God, hear what you are speaking in this season. And God, may we, God, be able to apply it to who we are and receive, God, the fresh outpouring of your spirit that you are doing in your church for this specific time in the history of humanity. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we give you praise knowing that we are truly going to leave differently than how we arrived because of who you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, if you're ready, somebody shout amen. Amen. You can be seated all over the room this morning. We're starting our, our series, the, 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 the person and the power of Holy Spirit. And again, if you're online this morning, we just want to take a minute to our online church campus and say good morning. We're so glad to hear. In fact, hey, church, will you put your hands together for those that are joining online right now? Give them a big welcome. We wish you were here, but we're glad that you've joined us together right now. But I'm excited uh, that today we start this series, and really, uh, we really, uh, tomorrow, we get to start and celebrate. Uh, tomorrow begins the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Pentecost. Um, and it really, uh, we talk a lot about the Feast of the Lord. You can see Leviticus 23. I don't have time to go through all of it today, but you can see how the Lord, he, he, he instituted these feasts, and he says, these are my feasts to be celebrated for every generation. How many of you guys know we're still a part of the generations of the earth? So we should understand we can observe and celebrate these at, at whatever level that we desire to, but it is the last of those spring feasts. We just, uh, almost 50 days ago, we celebrated the Feast of Passover and Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and today, this week into next week, we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And remember something. You say, well, why would we celebrate these feasts? We celebrate them. Are you ready? Because Jesus is at the center of them. Jesus is at the center of them. And I've learned something throughout my time as a believer. Whenever Jesus is at the center of anything, we should be there too. 
Whenever Jesus is at the center of anything, we should be there also. And so we know that, that these feasts, they're a time that we meet with God, that we get refreshed by the power of who God is. But specifically, these are times that we get to remember what God has done. How many of you guys can remember how good God has been to you? You can look back over your life and say, Lord, I am so thankful that you did what you said you would do. And you never left me. You never forsake me. But you were with me. And so these are times that we remember what God has done. But hear me. We celebrate what he is doing and what he has done. And we also receive what he desires to do in this season. How many of you guys know God is still working? God is still speaking. God is still moving in the earth in his church. If you believe that, somebody say Amen. And so the Feast of Pentecost, and you can see right there, those are texts that will tell you a little bit about the origins of the Feast of Pentecost. And again, I don't have time today, but you can read those and study those together. But really, the Feast of Pentecost, as you know, it's a time really of open heaven, where God opens heaven. And he just does supernatural things. And, and I'm going to show you really quick. The Feast of Pentecost really centers uh, around celebrating and receiving three things. The Feast of Pentecost revolves around celebrating and receiving three things. Provision, revelation, and power, and authority. Provision, revelation, and power, and authority. Here's what's powerful. How many of you guys know that God really is our provider? And that God's abundant provision is in every part of our lives. Well, can I, can I tell you something? How many of you guys would ever not celebrate someone that continued to bless you? You're thankful for them. When they bless you, you're so thankful that they would bless you. How much more should we celebrate our Heavenly Father who abundantly provides for us in every way? You know what that means? That means that every day we should be thankful for who he is and what he's blessed us with. Come on, somebody. That means that we should constantly be celebrating the provision over and through our lives in every direction. Now, here's what's cool. When you see the origins of the Feast of Pentecost, did you know that the people of God would celebrate God as their provider. Back then, everyone was agricultural. They had to grow things so they could eat and trade and survive. And what they would do during this season, they had just put seed into the ground. They had just done things so there could be a harvest in the coming months. So you know what they would do? They would thank God for his provision and ask him to send the rain. They would ask him to send the rain. Why? Because they needed water so the crops could grow. And so what happened? God would open up the heavens and he would send the rain that his people needed so they could sustain and grow and thrive in that season. But number two, we see that also the time of Pentecost is a time to celebrate revelation. Did you know at the beginning of Pentecost, one of the very first feasts of Pentecost is when God released his word to his people. Exodus 19 and 20 on Mount Sinai, the Bible says that God came down and guess what? There was smoke and there was fire and he released the commandments. He released the Torah to the people of God and it was revelation about the covenant relationship that he desired with them. Is anyone thankful for the revelation of who God is and who you are in him? If you're thankful, that means you should celebrate the revelation of God. But can I let you know a secret? God has more revealing to do in this season. He's got greater revelation from his word. He's got greater revelation from his spirit. He's got greater revelation he wants to give to his sons and daughters. So in this time, you should say, Lord, thank you for what you've done, but I receive fresh revelation in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, somebody give the Lord praise for fresh revelation from heaven. 
And then finally, we know what happens when God releases at Pentecost power and authority. We go to Acts chapter 2. We see that Jesus has come. He has ascended back to the Father. And there's 120 saints in the upper room pursuing what Jesus has promised in the gift of the person and the power of Holy Spirit. And do you know what happens again? The Bible says that heaven opened and the Father sent Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to them. And they were baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Somebody say amen for the Holy Ghost and fire. And can I tell you, even today in this season, as we celebrate this feast. How many of you guys know we need fresh power and authority from heaven? We need fresh fire from heaven. We need God to energize the gifts of the Spirit that He's placed in us. We need Him to stir up every passion, every vision, every dream. We need the Lord to send fresh authority and power that we may fulfill the purpose that God has given us in this life. If you believe that, somebody shout amen back to me. Come on, talk to me. See, here's what we see. We see that in this time, that we understand and celebrate the Feast of Pentecost for provision, revelation, and power. But listen, it is available to those who are ready to receive it. There's going to be thousands and thousands of believers that don't understand the time and seasons of God, and they're going to miss a season of open heaven because they're not looking for it. They're not ready to receive. Listen, may this be a church that we're ready to receive what God wants to do. May this be a house where we say, Lord, open up heaven over this house. Open up heaven over our lives. God, we're ready to receive fresh provision. We're ready to receive fresh revelation. We're ready to receive fresh power and authority that comes from the Holy Spirit. If that's you, say, Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, I'm ready. Lord, we're ready to receive what you desire to do. We're ready to see, God, what you desire to do. We can even find that in Mark chapter 1 when Jesus is baptized, all of those three things I just talked about are symbolically there. Because in Mark chapter 1, let me show you the scriptures. Mark chapter 1, really quick, I'm trying to hustle. Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Here's what the text says. It says, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart. Now that word splitting, in other translations, it's open. It's the Greek word schizo, which means that they were torn apart. God opened up heaven in that moment, and watch what he did. He opened up heaven, the Father opened up heaven, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Now let's stop right there. How many of you guys know the Holy Spirit is not a dove? It says like a dove, not as a dove. Let's get our doctrine and theology correct. He says, but it says, descend on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Now I told you, Jesus is at the center of these feasts. Jesus actually has already fulfilled all four of these spring feasts. And let me show you how we can see it right here. In this one text, we can see that Jesus, in this moment, guess what happens? He becomes the provision for the sin of the world. He becomes the eternal Passover lamb that takes away the sin of the world so we can be in right relationship with the Father. Immediately, people begin to understand when God opened up heaven and the Holy Spirit came down, guess what happened? He was announcing who Jesus was and why he was on the earth. Because Jesus is our provision for right relationship with the Father. Somebody say amen. 
So there we see fresh provision, but then we go further. Then we see revelation. What is the revelation? In that moment, we see that all of a sudden when the heavens open, that Jesus identifies, or the Father identifies Jesus. He said, this is my beloved Son, and whom I am well pleased. He brings revelation to everyone who is around. Because up until that point, they did not really understand who Jesus was. They brought revelation. How many of you guys know that just like he brought revelation of the word on Sinai, the Bible says in John 1 that Jesus is the word. He brought fresh rhema. He brought the word alive in Jesus and brought revelation. And then I find power and authority. Why? Because he declares. He says, this is my son and whom I am well pleased. And it says, Holy Spirit came down like a dove and descended upon him. How many of you guys know that was a preface? That was a precursor to what was going to happen in Acts chapter 2. Holy Spirit came down and sat on Jesus. And in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came and sat down on every person in the upper room. So we can see even there, this season, this time of Pentecost, it is not just for some people, it is for all people. It is a kingdom revelation that you and I need in our lives. If you believe that, somebody say amen. amen. So we can see how God is working and moving and speaking. And just like, listen, and so we can see that there was ever a time in the history of this world and in the history of humanity that we needed a fresh Pentecostal experience, it is right now. If there was ever a time that we needed a fresh Pentecostal experience, it is right now in our lives. Let me tell you why. How many of you guys know that we are in the latter and the last days on the earth? If you don't believe that, then you need to get in the Word and see everything you're seeing right now is tell the sign of that. It's a telltale sign. Everything that we're seeing right now lets us know we are in the latter and the last days before the rapture of the church and the return of Jesus. It could very probably, very well, and could probably be in our lifetime that we see these things happen. Would anybody be okay with that? I'd be okay with that. I, you know, I heard somebody say through this season, we've, we've buried so many people in this season as, as the body of Christ. They just said heaven keeps getting sweeter all the time. I understand that more now than I did 20 years ago. I'm, I'm okay that when Jesus raptures the church, I'm ready to be with him for all eternity. I'm ready for no more pain and no more death and no more tears. I'm ready to be with the Lord and his people forever and ever. It could very well be in our lifetime. But we see that, that we're in the latter and we are in the last days that we have seen talked about in the Word of God. You know, we just finished an incredible series together, church, learning about the purpose that God has for each of us. We had this series, Into the World. Look to your neighbor and say, go. Come on, tell them, say, go. Jesus sent us into the world. Jesus sent us into the world. John 17, 18, we saw that scripture. It was our base text. Just as you sent me into the world, Father, I am sending them. And he sent us on assignment to make disciples and make a difference. He sent us into the world to serve and to shine for the kingdom of God. And he sent us not just into some places, he sent us into how many places? All places. He sent us into all places of societal influence, every mountain and pillar of influence, religion, government, family. He sent us into business and, and, and arts and entertainment and media. He sent us into all of these places that we could bring the culture of heaven to the things of this world. 
And we saw this and we understood that, that Jesus sent us to those places, that our assignment was to go to those. We even saw a prophetic promise of what he desires to do specifically in the latter and last days. Why? Isaiah 2.2, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. That's happening in the last days. How many of you guys know God's strategy to make that happen is you and me? Which means in this season, we don't have time to sit around and say somebody else can do it. God's sending us. He's sending us into those places. But all the while, we find that we can fast forward thousands of years from the book of Isaiah to the time of 2 Timothy chapter 3 and the apostle Paul tells us of what the culture of the last days is going to look like. All of a sudden, we find that while we're called to be doing this, guess what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5? He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. The word perilous, what does that mean? The word perilous means dangerous. It means, it means difficult and challenging, dangerous, risky times. Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgivering, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power." You and I both know because we live in that culture how, how, how toxic this climate actually is. We live in this culture every day. We can see right now the current climate of our culture and society. And listen to me, it makes what Jesus told us in John 17, it makes the command, the, the great commission in Matthew 28 where he said go into all the world and make disciples. That current climate of our culture makes what Jesus called us to do, it makes, us pretty it, makes it pretty challenging. It makes it difficult. In fact, let me say this, it makes it impossible to do without him. But can I tell you something? Jesus knew that was going to happen. Jesus did not send us not knowing what the future held for his people. And so because of that, because, how many of you guys know God is smarter than you? If you didn't raise your hand, you hadn't learned it yet, but that's okay. I know everybody online, you knew the answer was yes, good for you. Because Jesus could see what was coming, not only did he say, hey, I've sent you into the world just like the Father sent me. I'm commanding you to go and make disciples. He said, but before you do that, okay, okay, all right, all right. is everybody with me still? I've been building a foundation, but Jesus, listen, Jesus knew that, and he knew that we could not fulfill our purpose on our own no matter how hard we tried. So before he went back to heaven, do you know what he told his people? This is what he said, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 and verse 8. This is what Jesus gave this command. Not a suggestion. He gave a command. He told his people. He said, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Do you know who that gift was? It was the Holy Spirit. 
the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, he said, until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now let me go to Acts 1-8, because that's what he commanded. And then he told him in verse 8, he reminded them. He said, you will receive power. Somebody say power. How many remember the Feast of Pentecost is receiving fresh power from heaven? He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He said, hey, you're going to go into government. You're going to go into business. You're go into media and arts and entertainment and family and education. He said, you're going to go into all these places with a Holy Ghost fire power that you're going to make disciples and make a difference in the world around you. If you're thankful for the Holy Ghost, somebody give the Lord praise. Come on, give him praise for the power of the Holy Spirit. But see what he was saying. He said, before you can go into this world that I've sent you into, you need the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, before you can accomplish, let me say it this way, because he was saying you need the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus is really telling them. He's saying you cannot fulfill your purpose without the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. You say, Pastor, that's not true. Well, why would Jesus give this blueprint and then it would change for us? Okay, I'm going to preach over here because you guys didn't even hear me. <laughs> Listen, that means your divine assignment requires the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to fulfill the purpose without the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why he said, listen, I've sent you, I've called you to go, but before you get out there where it's nasty, where it's perilous and dangerous and risky and hard, you need the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's trying to tell us. That's why in this season, I believe that the church who is paying attention to what God is saying, we cannot push Pentecost off to the side and say that was for them. We need to say, Lord, we need a fresh dose of Pentecost in our lives. We need a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost and fire in our lives, in our children, in our churches, so we can go and do what you've called us to do in Jesus' name. So we can see what is happening. And we need the person and the power. Listen, you, not just some people, you need the person and the power of Holy Spirit active in your life. Pastor, do I need the baptism with the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? Honey, you need the baptism with the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. <laughs> Have you been to Walmart lately? <laughs> and Target ain't no better. <laughs> You need him. What? Help me understand for just a second. I'm getting off my notes. I'll get back into it. Everybody good? Listen, why would you accept every gift from God except this one? When this is, this gift, who this gift is, is, is the very member of the Trinity, God the Spirit, that you need to fulfill the purpose and the assignment that God has placed in your life in the earth. You need the person and the power of the Holy Spirit active 
in your life. Listen, that's why our kids' ministry are in a series on the Holy Spirit right now. That's why our students are in a series on the Holy Spirit right now. Because the Holy Spirit is not just for older generations. The Holy Spirit is for all generations. All generations. And so we see this. We see that we all need the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, if I'm honest, I have seen firsthand that so many Christians are, are really unaware, have an inaccurate or incomplete view of who the Holy Spirit really is. And, and here's what's crazy. There are a lot of people that love Jesus that have accepted salvation. They are unaware that a loving and an amazing person desires to know them and fill their empty lives with good things. Listen, there are so many believers right now that have resigned to do perpetual defeat and spiritual battles. They have resigned defeat to temptation or stumbling through life. They're making decisions with nothing more than their own flawed reason to guide them. There are so many believers living a dull, powerless brand of Christianity at, at odds with the picture of what the book of Acts actually is supposed to look like. And do you want to know why? It's because they never experience the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's who he is and that what he, that's what he does. If you find yourself in a funk right now that you say, man, I don't feel like I'm walking in the fullness of what Jesus offered me, then hear me. You need a fresh infilling and baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire because an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is literally the outgrowth of what Jesus promised he said he would do. So hear me. You need the Holy Spirit active in your life. You need him active in your life. Now, I want to take the rest of our time today. I want to take the next hour and a half and talk about, I'm going to take the next few minutes. And as we're starting this, there's some of you like, he's serious. Don't play with him. Listen, I didn't preach last week. I got notes for days. Come on, somebody. <laughs> But listen to me, I want us to take the next few minutes and really look at who the person of Holy Spirit is and what Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would do in our lives in one specific way. But we're going to go on a little Bible study for a minute. Everybody ready to go on a little Bible study? How many of you guys know we should study the Bible outside of Sunday? Look to your neighbor and say, you better read the word. Come on, tell them. Say, you better read the word. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to John 14. John 14. Because I believe that even before we leave today that people are going to have a deep and genuine relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. John 14, this is the first time that Jesus really introduces, introduces God, the Holy Spirit, to his disciples. John 14, verses 16 and 17. This is what he says. He says, and I will pray the Father. Don't be bothered by that. He's really just saying, I will pray to the Father. And he will give you, the Father will give you, talking about us, another helper. Somebody say Helper. He will give another helper that he may abide with you for how long? <laughs> Forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you. And look at Jesus being prophetic and will be in you. 
This is the first picture that we see of Jesus really introducing Holy Spirit to his disciples. And notice, just really quick, because this, this sermon series is the person, not the force and the power of Holy Spirit, but the person and power. Does he ever call Holy Spirit an it? No, because he's not from the Adams family. Come on, somebody. I'm showing my age on that joke. Okay. Because my young people are like, Pastor, what is it? Who is it? <laughs> notice, notice the pronouns. Jesus says, he says, because, uh, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Talking about the Holy Spirit. For he dwells with you and he will be in you. What you need to understand really quick, why this is important, if you don't understand that Holy Spirit is a person, you will never have a personal relationship with him. And so many times, so much teaching about the Holy Spirit has treated the Holy Spirit like in this impersonal force or this thing. Jesus is very clear. Holy Spirit is a person. It's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But let's talk about it for a minute. The Holy Spirit is a person. How many of you guys know that, that, that you can love something, but if it's not a person, it's not going to love you back? I love my recliner. Listen, it lays parallel. When I go, it's almost on its last leg because I'm a big boy, but it lays parallel when I push it back and it's glorious. I love that recliner, but can I tell you, it doesn't love me back. Listen, I can go out to the tree, I can go out to the backyard to where the trees are, and I can talk to the tree, but the tree's not talking back. And if you say the trees do talk back, you need to change your medication, honey. <laughs> Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not a thing. He's a person. And you may love things, but things can't love you back. You say, well, well, Pastor, the Holy Spirit's a person. What constitute personhood? Oh, oh does life constitute personhood? No, because I've, I've seen a lot of plants that are alive, but they're not people. Plants are, plants are alive, but they're not people, right? Okay, so what really constitute a person? Well, one of the marks would be a personality. Did you know the Holy Spirit has a personality? But I'll go deeper. Really, the definition is this. What constitutes personhood? Uh, a really serious, deep definition is a person is a being with a soul. A person is a being with a soul. Now, let me, let me teach for a minute because some of you are like, Pastor Derek, I don't, I don't know if I, if I fully understand or see what you're talking about over here. But, but let's talk about a soul. How many of you guys know a soul is made up of three things? Mind, will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. Okay, did you know the Holy Spirit has a mind, has a will, and has emotions? Now, let me back up for a minute because we can actually find in the Word of God, it's not on the screen, but listen to me really quick. For, uh, uh, we, we need to understand something. Do you know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have a soul? Matthew 12, verse 18, we find the Father saying, my soul. Matthew 26, 38, we find Jesus saying, my soul. Holy Spirit is no different. He has a mind, will, and emotions. And those scriptures that you see on the screen right there, you can go and read them and understand how the Holy Spirit has a mind, he has a will, and he has emotions. So listen to me. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person, and hear me so clearly, he is a person that wants a personal relationship with you. He is a person that desires a personal relationship 
with you. But let me go further. I've just got a couple more minutes this morning, and then we're going to pray together. Let's talk about this for a minute. Because it is from these, these, these scriptures and discovering, we can see three distinct facts about Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, listen, to every believer, Holy Spirit desires to be three things. You ready? He desires to be our helper, he desires to be our friend, and he is our God. He doesn't desire to be our God, he is our God. Whether you like it or not, God the Holy Spirit is God. But see this, he desires to be our helper, our teacher, our friend, and our God. And I've got, I, I know what time it is, don't worry about it, we're going to be fine. You got lunch in the crock pot, it ain't going to burn. I want to talk quickly this morning, and we're going to get in the altar, and we're going to pray together how the Holy Spirit is our helper. How many of you guys know we need help? Look to your neighbor and say, you need help. <laughs> I can't tell how many people in my life have said, Derek, you need help. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. But listen, we all need help. I told you a second ago, Jesus knew that we could not fulfill our assignment without help. Jesus understood that we could not fulfill our purpose by ourselves. He knew, listen, we didn't need natural help. We needed supernatural help. We needed supernatural help. And so we find in scriptures, really quickly, we see four instances. Somebody say four. four. We see four instances where Jesus refers to Holy Spirit as helper. Now, John 14, we've already read John 14, 16, and 17. We see what Jesus has already talked about there. But the first two ways we see John, uh, the first two ways we see Jesus as helper, we see in John 14, 25, and 26. Here's what the text says. Jesus is speaking. He said, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, somebody say the helper, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things I said to you. Now I said there are four ways in which Holy Spirit wants to be our helper and our teacher. You see two of them right there. The first one is this. The Bible literally says he will teach us all things. How much? He will teach us all things things. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is an expert on everything. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit is an expert on everything, and he wants to teach you everything about everything. He's our helper. That's what he wants to do. And so, and so we have to understand something. You say, well, I want to learn more about something. Well, listen, if you want to learn more, then you need to lean into Holy Spirit more. Because he's an, he knows everything about everything. He will teach you if you ask. So if you have to say, say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me because he knows everything about everything. Listen, he will teach you about the kingdom of God. He will teach you about marriage and family and relationships. He will teach you about business. There's no topic that Holy Spirit cannot teach you about. Why? Because you have to understand on your smartest day, on your wisest day, you still don't know as much as God does. You just don't. So kudos to all of you who are smarter than everyone else. I know all, of, all the rest of us are in irritation to those of you who know everything. But hear me. On your best day, you don't know better than God. You do not know better than God. 
So what should we do then if we have God who wants to be our teacher? Holy Spirit, teach us. Holy Spirit, teach us in everything. Notice that's what Jesus said. He said that he is our teacher. He teaches us in all things. Number two, he reminds us of everything Jesus said. Reminds us of everything Jesus said. How many of you guys know that's important because Jesus is our example? That's important because Jesus is our example. So that means how he lived, how he responded, Jesus' perspective on eternal and temporal things. He is our example, and the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything Jesus said. How incredible is that? That, that he is so much of our helper and teacher. You say, well, give me an example. Well, listen, this is how all four of the gospels are so detailed and in agreement on what Jesus said because it was Holy Spirit reminding those writers of what Jesus had said. You can see it right there. He will remind you of everything Jesus had said. If you believe that, somebody say amen. And you better say amen because that's not my opinion. That's the word of God that we just read. So we see Holy Spirit is our teacher, our helper. What does he want to do? He wants to teach us all things. He wants to remind us of everything Jesus said. Now we're going to go to John 15, 26 for a minute. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus said in John 15, one chapter later, about Holy Spirit. But notice how he calls him. He says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Who is the spirit of truth? How many grammarians in the room? Tiffany Snyder, you can help me out, girl. You make me nervous you're so smart with this stuff. I hate grammar. That's a whole other story. Let's not open that wound. Um, the spirit of truth, he's talking about Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Do you know what the Holy Spirit will help you do in this life? He will help you live a life free of deception. That's deep, isn't it? You want to know why that's deep? Because there's a lot of deception in the body of Christ right now. <sighs> there is a lot of deception in a lot of people, not just in the world, but it's coming to the body of Christ. You want to know how I know? Because division is always birthed out of deception. Hear me. Holy Spirit will help you live a life free of deception. Now, how many of you guys know what the Bible says about Satan? What he, what he said, what, what, what says about the enemy? See, Jesus presents the Holy Spirit to us as the ultimate answer to overcoming and undoing the works of the devil, the great deceiver. John 8:44 says that he is the father of lies. Listen, so, so, so if you really want to walk free of deception, you need the person of Holy Spirit in your life. Because he is the spirit of truth. Think about this for a minute. For thousands of years since the fall of Adam and Eve, mankind had stumbled in the darkness of the devil's lies. For thousands of years, they had stumbled around in those things. Then Jesus, who declared himself to be the truth, the life, and the way, announced that he would be sending a helper, somebody shout helper, who would help us live a life free from deception. And why is this important? Because I've learned this to be true. Deception will stop you from living in the destiny that God has for your life. 
So many people live in deception in just a few areas that if you were walking with the person of Holy Spirit, you could see the truth. How many people we know, man, they've got so much of their lives together, but there are some key areas of deception that if they had the Holy Ghost, things would change. Live a life free of deception. Listen, we cannot be in this season the church triumphant if we're also the church deceived. Look at, go, go to that slide where I've got two words on there. Throw that up for a minute, I want you to see this. We should be the church united, right? Look at this, U-N-I-T-E. We should be a united church. But look what happens when deception just comes in for a minute and changes one letter. All of a sudden what was supposed to be united becomes untied. Where we were supposed to be in one accord, united together, we can get untied very quickly. You know what happens? We get some people that go to the right and some people go to the left. We get some people that get so hopped up on all these other things, they forget about how Jesus has already told us how we need to be living our lives and who our allegiance should really be belong to. So, so I don't know about you, but this last season has taught me how much the spirit of deception is operating in the Western church. Because so many people in this season, rather than being united, they let themselves get untied from the Holy Ghost, and they got tied up to a political candidate instead. They got tied up into a side, as opposed to being united in the Spirit. And you and I have to be careful that no matter what part of life it is, that we are not walking in deception, but we are being led by the teacher, the Holy Spirit, so we can live a life free of deception. Somebody say amen if you believe that that we have to be united together. We have to be united together. And so we need the person of Holy Spirit active in our lives. Then finally, the last one, John 16. We go John 14, John 15, here in John 16. Jesus gives the disciples his most thorough introduction. Here's it is, John 16, 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is not to your advantage it, I'm sorry, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Listen, how many of you guys know the disciples like, Jesus, you're crazy. How can we be better without you here? But he's letting them know why. He said, it's actually advantageous to your advantage that I go away so the helper can come. And so a few verses down, Jesus explains how the Holy Spirit will provide help. Right here, John 16, 12 through 14. He's still talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. Now, why would Jesus say that? Let me tell you why. How many of you guys know if you get somebody who's new in the faith, if you give them too much too soon, they get confused? That's what Jesus is telling them. He said, listen, I got more to tell you, but you don't understand it yet. But notice what he says. Go to that next, go to that next verse. However, when he, the spirit, who's the spirit of truth? The Holy Spirit has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will then also tell you things to come. As a helper, what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches you all things. He helps you live a life free of deception. What else does he do? Number two, he reminds you of everything Jesus has said. And then last one right here. He guides you into all truth and tells you of things to come. 
Now let me ask you a question. How many of you guys would like the benefit of always being led in truth? It's the person of Holy Spirit. He will lead you into all truth. He will guide you, meaning that you're following and he's leading. Do you know when we get in trouble, even as Christians, it's when we stop obeying and get in our opinion. That's when we start getting in trouble. But if we can understand that the Holy Spirit is our helper, our teacher, he will always guide us into all truth. I'm thankful for a God like that that wants to help me so much that he would always guide me to truth. And then did you notice the other thing? And will tell you of things to come. Things to come meaning things that haven't happened yet. How many of you guys have ever wanted to, uh, to, to say something to someone else? Or you thought, I need to do this, I need to say this. But you had a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit and you say, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Ever happened to you? Boy, I'm so glad it happens to me. Listen, he will guide you into all truth, but he will also tell you of things to come. In this season, if you don't have the voice of Holy Spirit guiding you into all truth and telling you of things to come, what voice are you listening to? Or who, who are you going to listen to more than the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I want the teacher who knows everything about everything leading and guiding me in every part of my life. And not only telling me the truth, but also revealing to me of things to come. How many of you guys know that's how we know prophecy is still happening right now? Prophetic things are still happening in the church, in the spiritual realm, because Holy Spirit is revealing to sons and daughters of God things to come. But it's only when you are in a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. When you say, I want a personal relationship with the person and the power of the Holy Spirit.